Good morning. How's everybody doing? Hey, as you can see, it looks a little bit different up here from an an average Sunday morning because we're going to do things a little bit differently today. And you're going to hear from Corey and Amber White, who are our generation's pastors. You're going to hear from Zach and Ashley Martin. Zach is our lead pastor. And then you're going to hear from your senior pastors, Gary and Ann Martin, this morning. And... uh, First service, you know, people say, well, why is everybody up there? Because we're going to teach through the whole book of Revelation this morning and get everybody's opinion, okay? So there'll be plenty of disagreement. (laughs) Actually, just in time for Valentine's Day this week, we thought we would spend this morning talking about scriptural marriage. And if you know this or not, there's a lot written in scripture about marriage and If I could just take two or three minutes and set this up from Scripture. If you go back to the beginning in the book of Genesis, when creation came about as we know it, Scripture says that God created mankind, and he made them male and female. He created a man, he created a woman. The next thing we see is that God said to mankind, to man and woman, subdue the earth and fill it, multiply rule the earth. That's in essence what he said to human beings. Then the next thing that God did was God instituted the idea of marriage and family. In marriage, he saw a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, with the ability to reproduce after their own kind. They would reproduce children and create families. And from the very beginning, from the time that God instituted marriage and family, marriage and family has been under attack with the enemy trying to destroy the order that God put in place at creation. And that struggle, that attack is still going on today. Now, if we're going to have strong marriages, we've got to have input from God's word because... Healthy marriages are built. Let that sink in a minute. Healthy marriages are built. You don't just stumble into it after 17 tries, you find the right partner. That wasn't God's intention. Healthy marriages are built. Now, before we start having our discussion this morning, let me share a couple more things. Keep in mind, no two marriages are just alike. No two people are just alike. No two couples are just alike. There can be similarities, but no two marriages are just alike because we're all different people. So when you dive into Scripture, here's what you find. When God talks about order and when God talks about authority, he always gives us a skeletal framework and then he allows each marriage to work out the details of how they function within that framework. Even in godly marriages, no two marriages are just alike. So God gives us this framework, and maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, this is a bad Sunday for me because I'm not married. Well, you know what? Maybe you will be someday. Or maybe you've been through a tough marriage and it's like, oh man, this hurts. Let me tell you something. God's concerned about marriage and maybe down the road you're saying, well, I'm never going to be married again. Well, you know what? Maybe you're going to be able to help somebody you know in their marriage. So we're going to share some simple, simple principles from scripture today that I think 
when you hear it from different perspectives, it'll help you understand what God's trying to tell us. Because we've got represented here not three generations, but two and a half generations. Okay? But because Corey's so immature, we'll call it three generations. All right? So this is going to work out this morning. So Genesis, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at one verse today and then some other verses a little bit later out of this passage. Paul talked about God's framework, God's skeletal framework for our marriages and our homes. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. He sums up what he's written about husbands and wife, and he says this. Nevertheless, let each one of you, speaking to husbands, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as he loves himself. And then let the wife see that she respects her husband. So what he's saying to husbands is you need to learn how to love your wife as she needs to be loved. And then he says to wives, you need to learn how to respect your husband because that respect will fuel his life. So we're going to dive into this today for a few minutes. Love your wife as yourself. Ladies, I'm, I'm going to start with you first. How does a woman need to be loved? How does she want to be loved? From woman to woman, it's going to be a little different because everybody's love language might be a little different. But Amber, I'm going to start with you. Talking about Corey, if you were talking to Corey today, which I know he needs a lot of talking, but if, if you were to just say, okay, this is how I need Corey to love me. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah. All right, getting, giving me a tight hug there. So trying to make me say something, no. Um, you know, every marriage, it's a work in progress in every season. And I think when you realize, or if you ever get to a place where you're like, mm, this isn't a work in progress, then you need to get back into that because it is such a work in progress. But um, I think what's so important to me is just being valued by Corey and seen by Corey. And the funny thing is, is I'm actually pretty introverted. So if I could like hide in the tech booth or like somewhere else, I would do that. Um, in just life with, in general with everybody, but with him, it's so different. I really value the quality time that he'll give me with just going out to coffee, playing chess or hanging out somewhere, just us two without all the chaos of like life and all the things. Um, we're just, we're, yeah, whenever he, you know, just does intentional things like writes me a card and it's not just like happy birthday, love your husband. Um, it really means something when he's like, he starts to, you know, go through some things that are just really important to me and us. And yeah, just knowing that he sees me is so, it just makes me feel so very loved, you know? So yeah, that's a big one. So he needs to see you. Yes. He needs to let you know that he sees you above everybody else in every situation yeah. of life. He's watching out for you. Yeah. Okay. Ashley, same question to you. Uh, as you look at your relationship with Zach and the woman that you are, how do you need to be loved? What do you need from Zach? Yeah, I think I can totally piggyback off of what Amber's saying. Um, also, you guys play chess. That's maybe we should start playing. We should probably start with checkers, but. Um, <laughs> but um, I can piggyback off of what you're saying um, when you say being seen. And I think 
you know, in different seasons, like the tangible ways, the specific ways that Zach shows me love is um, changes from season to season. You know, I feel like we need different things in different seasons. But when you zoom out and look at the big picture, it is totally, um, totally that need to be seen, to know that he's aware of the things that I'm walking through, the, that he's actually interested in the things that, that I'm carrying or things that I'm going through. And, you know, like, for example, right now, um, we're just in a very full on season when it comes to our kids. We've got four kids, um, all 10 and, and under. And, um, you know, life can be super busy and super full on. And so one of the things that Zach does right now that I love is I'll get a text from him throughout the day. And he's just like, hey, how's it going? What can I do for you tonight to just lighten your load a bit? How can I make this evening a little bit easier for you? And when he does that, you know, obviously that's, that's an amazing thing to just know that someone's there looking after you, but it's this, it's bigger than that because it's a matter of like, okay, he sees me, he's valuing me. He actually cares about the condition of my life, of my heart, of my health. And, um, just, yeah, being, being seen. So, he sees me. He helps pick up things that I need help with. He's looking out for me and the load that I'm carrying. And for a couple of minutes, uh, I know your situation's different because you're married to the perfect man, so you won't have... <laughs> I'll give you the mic here in a minute. <laughs> Fearfully and wonderfully made uh, that you are, precious that you are. Go ahead and talk about this idea of how you want to be loved. <laughs> Nearly perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really relate with what Amber and Ashley are both saying because I think those things come down to value and, uh, yeah, to feel valued, to feel like I'm heard, like I am an important part and we're partners in this together. I think that is important and helps me feel loved. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's so many ways, so many things I could say. Oh, let me count the ways. <laughs> but, you know, I think for all of us women, it, it does come down to, you know, things within how we're wired and what we need in different seasons. And a lot of it does come down to love languages, which I think sometimes can change in seasons. Um, if you've seen the book, Five Love Languages, you know, it says there's five. If you ask my husband which one I am, he'll say she's all seven because <laughs> I can think of a few more. I like to think that I'm balanced because I really like them all. So <laughs> it, it's a, you know it varies with all of us on how we what speaks to us to show us that we are loved by our husbands, and we need to be communicating those things. But also, I do want to say that I think sometimes as women we can pick up things along the way, along our journey in life, 
um, whether it's something we see in another couple, oh, wow, I want that. Like, that would, that would really show me that I'm loved. And we need to be really careful about that because no two relationships are the same, like we said. So we have to be so careful of that. That's so dangerous. But then also, sometimes we pick up things as women through movies and things that we see along the way, those romantic love stories and those, those, uh, uh, fairy tales get in our head. And yes, you know, we can all want the fairy tale and I'll be the first to admit, oh, I would just so love it if we were doing a date night. And my husband says, uh, oh, I'm taking you on a surprise date that I've planned. Just that in and of itself would be amazing. And, <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then we, he opens the door and we step out onto the rooftop and there's the private table for two and the candles everywhere and the canopy of lights and the, the waiter and the musicians and oh, that would be so amazing, right? But you know what? That is a scene out of a movie. <laughs> And so I think as women, yes, pressure's off, okay? <laughs> I think as women, we need to sometimes have conversations with God and let him show us if our expectations of how we want to be loved are realistic and make sure that there's not ideas we're picking up along the way that are unrealistic. And we need to talk to God about it and make sure that first and foremost, we are getting our, our love and that fulfillment of knowing that we're loved from him rather than trying to make our husband fill that void that only God can fill. And then have realistic expectations on how our husband shows us love throughout the course of each day. And when we have that, then communicate those things. I know we want our husbands to read our minds. I would love for you to read my mind. But I know that it doesn't happen. <laughs> and that's not a reasonable expectation for him to read my mind. So we need to communicate about those things and just have open conversations about them. And, you know, Wednesday night is Valentine's Day, Valentine's evening. What are you fixing for dinner Wednesday night? <laughs> you don't think so? Okay. But here's something interesting. I'm going to look at what Paul wrote earlier in this chapter about husbands. And guys, I want you to read through this with me and listen to these words. We're going to comment. In verse 5, or verse 25 of Ephesians 5, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So husbands... We have a pretty big responsibility to love our wives and create an atmosphere where she can flourish. So, Zach, let me ask you first of all, as a husband, how do you look at these verses and read these verses about your responsibilities? How do you see them and how do you apply them to life? 
your marriage? Well, I'm a dude, so the first thing that pops out to me is the part about the washing with water. I was hoping we could set up some time for that I later on. I could use help with the laundry. That's oh, okay. I had, a, had some other ideas. But anyway, <laughs> some people aren't laughing. Um, <clears throat> it's because it wasn't funny. Now, you know, in this part of the passage, when it talks about a husband's love and your wives as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for it, I think the responsibility really stands out there of what it is that we're called to do as guys. Um, And I think that that responsibility can feel very daunting because of the fact that every single person in this room understands everything that Jesus has done for us. He laid down his life to purchase our redemption. Now, fortunately, none of us are able to do that for our spouse, but at the same time, that can feel like a big job because it feels like there's pressure that's attached to that. But I I think it's healthy for us as guys to kind of come back to the days where we feel tired, if we feel worn out, where we feel like life is go, 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 work, work, work. Um, There's a lot of cost and cost and cost and cost and cost in life. I think for a lot of guys, we can go through life looking for the small joys because we feel like huge portions of our life are consumed with work and sacrifice. But guess what, guys? That's what we signed up for. And if you look at the big biblical picture of marriage, that's what Christ did for his bride, the church. So therefore, anytime that life feels like it's work and like it's sacrifice, that's not a bad thing. It actually might be an indicator that you're doing the right thing because you're laying down your life for the betterment of your wife and your family. And I know last service, Corey had some good thoughts that really piggyback on this idea. But, you know, for me, when I find myself being a little bit overwhelmed, if I find myself being a little bit tired or there's fatigue, you know, in, in our life or in my, my work life or whatever else, I have to stop and realize, okay, that just kind of comes with the territory because what we've signed up for is to lay our lives down as husbands. So um, that's really the part that stands out to me. Thank God I don't have to carry what Jesus carried. So if Jesus could lay his life down for me, then I can lay, lay down my life for my wife and for my family. Great. Corey, as a young husband... Yeah, that was good, Zach. As a young husband... I know I made fun of your joke. That yeah, was good. <laughs> Corey, as a young husband, uh, how do you see your responsibilities to love your wife? Yeah, I see it as a... You know, the, the parallel that we have is how Jesus loved the church. And what did he do for his church is that he laid down his life for her. And so I see that as like... You know, as, as, as guys, like a lot of times we are like the... Yeah, man, like... I'm the leader, dude. Like, I'm the, I'm the man. Like, I'm going to lead this household. And, like, totally, like, we believe that. We believe that the husband is the head of the household. But, like, uh, I think biblical leadership is so much different than worldly leadership. And really what that means is, like, I'm, if I'm to be a leader like Jesus was a leader, that means that I'm the lead sacrificer. And I'm the lead servant. And I love the verse that says that Jesus didn't even come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so I think that like for me to love my wife is in the way that Christ, God has told me to love my wife, like Christ loved the church is to be the one that's like, okay, it's time to sacrifice. And I go, okay, I'll like me, me first, like I'll sacrifice first. Okay. It's time to serve. Like, okay. So me first, like, you know, and, and that there's a lot of things that comes with that. You know, silly thing I think is like, there's a reason why the two cars we have are both Volkswagens 
and the two dogs that we have are both Boston Terriers. Because growing up, Amber was like, I want Volkswagen and I want Boston Terriers. I grew up with black labs and German shepherds. I never wanted these tiny little things that are a sorry excuse for a dog. Like they barely qualify. Like they do not barely qualify as a dog, you know? But when it was time to, it was like, okay, so who's gonna sacrifice here? And you know, as silly, <laughs> man, 500, if those dogs were born 500 years ago, survival of the fittest would have taken them out, man. <laughs> um, but as silly as that might be, and with obviously more serious things, like I'm the one who says, okay, I will sacrifice first. I will be the first one to do that. And I think just personally in our marriage with our stories is probably like many of you, um, you come from maybe broken families like we do. And uh, neither of us knew, really knew our biological fathers. Um, Amber's stepfather and mother were getting divorced the week that we got engaged. And so it's like, yeah, what a great way to start our, our marriage is seeing the one healthy marriage that Amber had as an example in front of her falling apart. And so for me, I know one of the greatest ways that I can love Amber is very similar to how Christ loved me, is to just show her consistent, steadfast faithfulness. And I don't have to be perfect. Sometimes I just have to be present. And the cool thing about that is uh, we, got, we started dating when we were 17, and we got married when we were 20. That should be illegal, but we did it. Um, and 17 years old, we're turning, uh, we're turning 35 this year, which means that this year we will have been together longer than we weren't. And to me, that's just one of the simple ways that I can love her like Christ loved the church. That's great. Great. So husbands, husbands. Before we turn the page here, let me say one thing. If you really want to improve your marriage, this week sometime, when you get alone with your wife, ask her the simple question, honey, how, how can I be a better husband to you? How can I love you more? Listen to her. If you don't understand, ask questions and talk about it until there's understanding and you know what she's talking about. Wives, be reasonable, okay? But... Just talk it through until you understand each other and then apply that to your life and work on that area or those areas and just see what happens in your marriage. Okay, second thing. Paul says to wives, respect your husbands. Respect your husbands. Now, we're going to turn to the guys here and both of you, I want to ask you, Corey, I'll just go ahead and start with you. What does respect mean to you? When... when you look at your wife, what, what does it mean for her to respect you? What does that mean? Um, because I am very immature, I guess. Maybe, uh, <laughs> like, the, the silly but not so silly answer, I think, is um, when my wife just, like, brags about me. When she's like, Corey is the man. Like, he's the best. He's so amazing. He's so strong. When she, like... When I come home from golf and I'm like, babe, I hit this drive straight. She's like, that's so amazing. Oh, you're so hot. I'm like, like, you have no idea. I know for a fact she's no clue in the world what I'm talking about. She doesn't even care. She but doesn't like, know. It took him seven more strokes to get to the green. That's what she doesn't know. <laughs> Never mind that. Never mind that. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, one, of the, one of the things that Amber has said that, like, like, I've always appreciated, she goes, you know, so many people think that what, Cor because Corey, 
this extrovert and he's wild and he's always the life of the party and he's really fun and he's always joking, people will think that he's really just arbitrary or random or unintentional. She's like, but I know that he's intentional about just about everything that he does. And I love that about it. So just when she like speaks highly of me, it just makes me feel honored. And, and truth be told, like, I mean, you guys would know what it's like to preach in a room like this on a Sunday as, as I do. And, and you can leave thinking like, man, there's a lot of amazing people in our church who are business owners and, and, and CEOs and lawyers and doctors and people who've been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. And I stood in front of them and preached the Bible. And, but I could honestly leave and have everybody in this room go, that was terrible. But if I know it was biblically, like I had biblical integrity, and then my wife goes, you're amazing, then I'm good. Yeah, good, good. And, and let me throw this in. We've been kidding, and he responded to it. Corey is not immature. He's young and fun-loving. The only thing missing is children. Children will make you grow up in some areas you've never grown up in before. That's coming someday. Okay, actually, Jack, Zach and Ashley keep up. They may just want to send a couple of their kids over to their house. <laughs> Zach, what does it mean to you for to have? <laughs> you know, when, when God told Adam and Eve, you know, multiply and fill the earth, Zach and Ashley took it on as a personal project. <laughs> Go ahead. He doesn't like any of our grandkids at all. They can't stand them. <laughs> yeah, they're they're grandkids, sir. Um, you know, when we, when we talk about respect, uh, in the original writings, if you actually read it in the King James, the word isn't respect, it's reverence. And it's the same word that's used really to talk about the kind of fear or respect or reverence that we give to God. Um, that obviously doesn't mean that we are the God of our household or the God of our marriage. We're most certainly not. But really it speaks to order and it speaks to uh, delegated authority is the way that I would see it from Scripture. And... Uh, I think the word that always comes to mind when I think about the idea of respect is the word dignity. Um, I think every man, I think every man has a need inside of him for his wife to dignify him and give him dignity and see him as the man that he's called to be. And wives, can I just say it like, I'll put myself at the front of the line. Sometimes you got to do that in faith <laughs> because we make mistakes. Sometimes we can act like kids instead of men. Sometimes we can run from big things rather than toward big challenges. Um, we can do that sometimes. But I learned this one actually from my dad, from Pastor Gary, because, uh, you know, I learned how to do weddings from my dad teaching me how to do weddings when I did my first ones after I became a pastor. And uh, one of the greatest things that I've ever heard him say in a wedding setting when a husband and wife are there committing themselves to one another is he'll always say to the wife first, if you will respect your husband, he will knock himself out trying to make you happy. And I'll tell you what, I have found that to be true over the years, that anytime my wife goes out of her way to dignify me or to really just like honor the position that God has called me to as a husband and as a dad in our family, every time she goes out of her way to do that, it just inspires me all the more to do whatever I can to make her happy. And um, I think guys are born with that. And I don't want to step on pastor's toes because he uses this word a little bit, but in a healthy sense, there's a certain amount of ego that guys have. And sometimes, ladies, it's good when you look at us and you build that thing up a little bit because it lets us know that you value us for the position that God has placed us in. And I'm telling you, if you go out of your way to do that, it hits home with us in such a way that it's like, okay, what would I not be willing to do for you? I love you. And um, that's what I think of when I think of respect. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And yeah, give him a hand. That's so good. Uh, 
because it's absolutely true. Paul said, husbands, if you'll love your wives, she'll flourish. And wives, if you'll respect your husband, they'll provide for you. They'll take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. Feed that ego a little bit. As Corey said, tell him how great he is. He'll kill himself trying to make you happy. He really will. Now, Paul gave instructions to husbands in several verses. But he also said something to wives that's very important. And Corey referred to it. Zach referred to it in a different way. But let me just spend a second as we walk into this. Anytime God gives you authority, it's the same as if your boss gives you authority. If God gives you authority, it's not power. It's responsibility. Authority is nothing but responsibility to handle a situation correctly. So when God says to the man, I want you to have authority in the home, he's saying, you're responsible to watch out over this family. But here's what Paul said in verse number 22 of Ephesians 5 to wives, these instructions. He said, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now that's a mouthful. And in our world today, that's countercultural in so many ways. But I want to I ask a question. I want the ladies here to talk about this. As a wife, how do those two words, submit and respect, how do they work together in a family? And, and Ashley, I'm going to start with you. Submit and respect, that concept, how does that work together in a marriage? I think it's like you said that that word submit in our world today gets such a bad rap. And, you know, I think because there's just such a tainted view on on what that actually looks like. And we think that as wives, that if we willingly submit to our husbands, that that means we're giving him permission to step all over us or to dominate our marriage and to silence us and have no voice. And, And that couldn't be further from the truth. It's just that when we submit to our husbands, we're stepping into that call that God has asked us to do as wives, the same way that when they love us as Christ loved the church, they're stepping into that role that God has laid out for them. And what we're actually doing when we both play our roles is we're inviting biblical order into our marriages. And that brings the hand of God on our marriages like you would not believe. That just allows God room to just breathe his blessing over us. And if there's anything that we want in our marriage, it is the blessing of God. And, you know, when it comes to to respect, I, I think, you know, I love what Zach said about, you know, when I dignify him. But for me, I think it's a matter of, like, I trust, of letting him know that I trust him. Like, I trust you to lead our family. I trust you to fulfill that role that God has called you to in our marriage. Like, I believe that you can do it. I'm here for you. I'm cheering you down. I am shouting you down every day of the week. Like, you won't find a better cheerleader for Zach Martin's life than me. Like, I, that's me. That is my role for, for him. And that is just a way for me to show him that I love him, that I honor him and respect him. Great, great. And talking a little bit about what Ashley's talking about, as you see and understand this whole concept of submitting and respecting. Yeah, I don't think the the two can be separated. I think they really uh, go hand in hand because, you know, here in this verse 22, as you read it, the word submit in the original writings, it's literally a Greek term that was used to talk about uh, the 
arranging of troops in an orderly fashion. So it's this orderly arrangement. And then this word in a non-military sense, it refers to a voluntary attitude of cooperation. And that's what we're called to have. And when we have that kind of attitude, that is an attitude that shows respect. And so it's really a, a willingness to yield and to work together and to find that arrangement that works for us. And the two go hand in hand. And I love what Ashley said about when we do that, it opens the door to godly order in, in our marriage, in our home. And I think sometimes, as she said, as women, we can kind of resist that. But also, I think sometimes we think, well, I can't do that until he leads like this. But one is not dependent on the other. If we do our part and step into the role God created us to have, then it opens the door and paves the way for our husbands to be able to step into their role. So I think the two go hand in hand. Amber, give us your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think when I think about submission and respect, they go hand in hand like Pastor Aaron was saying. Um, you know, when I began to discover God and his kindness led me to repentance, you know, I didn't submit to God's plan and will for my life um, out of fear. It was out of love. And I think this is what God is asking us to do. And I think I've had people in my life that I've had to submit to out of fear, and that's not God. And that's not marriage. That's not how it should be. It's not out of fear. It's out of reverence. And so when I think about submitting out of reverence for the Lord, in my marriage, my husband is submitted out of reverence to my Lord. And I know that I can trust his leadership because I know that the, the beautiful thing about God is that we are not perfect and he came in and made a way, but he also comes into those imperfections and he helps us. So I know that when my husband is maybe, you know, we both have our own mistakes in marriage and things that we got to work on, but the weak areas that he has, God is going to show. Yeah, no weak areas at all. I'm just kidding. No, um, I got weak areas too. But what I'm saying is that because we are submitted to God as individuals, I can trust his leadership 100%. Like, even if I'm like, even in our marriage, you know, we trust God and there's times where we're like, we don't agree. And, and I'm like, you know what? I trust you. Like, make the decision. Let's run it because I know you trust God. And it's out of reverence. It's not out of fear. And it just brings security, you know? So, yeah. Great, great. Now, our time's almost gone. So we're going to wrap up in just a couple minutes here. But I want to say a couple things. We gave the husband some homework. Okay, wives, let, let me give you just a little something to think about. This week, take a moment and ask your husband, what can I do to let you know that I really respect you? What are some areas where I could say or do some things that you'll know that I trust you, I respect you, and I appreciate you? If you'll ask him and then listen to what he says, if you're not sure what he's saying, ask questions about it until there's understanding, and then Put it to practice in your life. I promise you it'll help your marriage. I promise you. Now, we get to the end of all of this today, and we've only scratched the surface talking about biblical principles. We've just taken a couple things today. But I want to pray for all the marriages, all the families here in the house today. 
Uh, moms and dads, you're so important. Husbands and wives, you're so important. But you're important to each other first. And I want to pray for marriages. So what I want to do is ask you to bow your heads for a moment and just let me pray a prayer. And everybody just hang on for a couple minutes and let's finish, okay? Father, I thank you today for everybody who's in the house hearing this today. I'm thankful for those who are online hearing this simple input we have about love and respect for each other in marriage. But God, I lift every family to you, every husband and wife, every marriage. I lift it to you now. I ask you to bless it. God, I pray that you would give us insight, that you would give us wisdom. You would help us to know how to respond to each other and how to be exactly what you need us to be in our individual marriages. God, I pray where there is some hurt from the past, where there have been misunderstandings, miscommunications. Father, I ask that your spirit would just step in and begin to bring healing and new trust that we could talk through some issues that maybe need to be talked through and worked through. God, give us clear understanding and communication of each other and help us to all, each one of us, do our part, not waiting on the other, but each of us do our part to build a healthy relationship within our marriage and the two of us be one flesh together. We ask this in Jesus' name. My heads are bound for just one more minute. Maybe... Maybe you came to church today or maybe you're watching online. And maybe you've never really surrendered your life to the Lord, but maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, you mean God really cares about my marriage? Absolutely. He cares about everything going on in your life. He cares so much that he wants to get involved and provide the things you can't provide yourself. But he needs you first to stop and say, you know what, God, I need you in my life. God put his own son on a cross to forgive us of our sins, to pay the price of our rebellion against him so that we could become his children. He could get involved in our lives. But he needs us to respond to him in faith and say, God, I need you. I want you in my life. So I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I'm going to encourage everyone here, everyone watching online, just wrap your heart around these words. Let my words become your words and let them be yours and just express them to God. Let him get involved in your life today. Let's pray. Father, we look to you today and we ask for your help. God, we need you so much in every area of life. But first of all, I need forgiveness. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. The things that have moved me away from you and separated me from you, my doubt, my unbelief, my rebellion at times, God, forgive me of all of it. I believe Jesus died to pay the debt that I owe for all of my sin. But now I ask you to show me the right way, show me the right direction, because I turn my heart to follow you. I ask you to teach me your ways. I want Jesus, I want your word to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways so I can follow you. One day at a time, I'll draw closer to you and learn to live in your ways. Thank you for your love and your patience. From this day forward, you're my father, and I'm your child. Amen. Amen. And here's the deal. Before we leave today, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, or maybe you've just been the prodigal on the run for a while, God heard every word of that. We want to help you get started in your journey with God. This prayer is not the end of it. It's just the beginning of the journey. 
We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading for the next week to help you understand a little bit more about walking with God. We want to give it to you. If you're watching online, there are instructions on the screen. But if you're here in the building, when service is over, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. But if you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you've got questions or you want prayer for something else, they'll help you with that. But if you want to get it, go, that's fine. If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby at the info center, you get the same booklet there. Just stop by and ask, can I get the booklet? They'd love to put it in your hands. Hey, we love you today. Thank you so much for being here. Have you enjoyed our discussion about marriage? Has it helped a little bit? Hey, if so, have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next week.